Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag K-I-P, hashtag K-I-P. Help me to make KIPP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, hey, Kingdom Influencing Nation. What's up, KIPP Nation? I know you're sitting there full. Don't tell me you're not full. Don't tell me you didn't have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. I really pray that you did, that you enjoyed your family, your friends, and some of your relatives are still there uh, chilling with you now. So I hope that you would uh, share this podcast with them and tell them this is something that you listen to on a weekly basis and it blesses you and hopefully it'll bless them as well. Listen, today is a very, very special day, the day after Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I am thankful. I am grateful. I am renewed. I've just been blessed to spend time with my family and The glory of God was in that moment, and I pray that the same was in yours. But today, because we're so thankful and because we're so grateful, I hooked up with one of my good friends, a blast from the past. Uh, He and I uh, connected in the city of Bridgeport uh, many, many years ago, and uh, he's here with us today all the way from Massachusetts, and I am so excited to introduce to you my good friend, the pastor of Grace Life Ministries in uh, Northbridge, Northbridge, Massachusetts, Sir Pastor Sebastian Corbin. Pastor, holla at us. Hey, how is everyone out there doing, man? I am excited, man. I'm full, man. That Thanksgiving turkey had me on blast, brother, but I am here. And I am, I'm excited about what God is doing, man. I'm so glad to reconnect with you, Pastor Calhoun. And I look forward to what God is doing, man, and what God is going to do on this podcast today, man. I'm, I'm super excited. Thank you for the invite, my brother. Hey, hey. I'm, I, I used to say this back in high school. I'm stoked, too. <laughs> but listen, man, I, um, I, I wanted to really talk today from a very serious topic because... Uh, the body of Christ can somewhat be hindered by the fact that uh, we tend to be a closed community from time to time, particularly when it comes to things concerning our testimony. 
Uh, yeah. We don't like to share our testimony. We don't like to share where it came from and what we've been through. And, you know, right. a lot of people, you will never hear their testimony, Sebastian. Just never yeah. hear it. And okay. here's the thing about the power of a testimony. The scripture declares that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the words of our testimony. And when you and I got an opportunity to talk, I believe it was almost a, a month ago. Yep. Uh, your testimony, man, just blew me away. It Go blew ahead. me away because just hearing the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ, just hearing how we can go through things that we literally all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yes. And how God in his infinite wisdom and mercy and Jesus as our advocate pulls us back together again and says, hey, there's another chance for you and another chance and another chance. A matter of fact, we don't even run out of chances because this isn't about chance. This is about the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. So, yes. Pastor, if you could... Just talk about your early life for a minute. You know, this will probably be the, the shortest part, but just your early life um, growing up in the Pentecostal church. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, your matriculation through church ministry, if you will. Yeah, oh, man. It, uh, awesome. This is so cool, man. Um, you know, I, I kind of grew up in ministry, um, you know, as as most pastors would probably tell you um, that they, you know, kind of grew up in church some way, shape, form, or fashion. But me, I grew up in uh, the projects of all projects in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, it was known as Father Panic Village at the time. They knocked it down. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prodigy of Father Panic Village, man, born and raised uh, in the height of the crack epidemic in the early 80s, uh, where we had shootouts, gun violence, you know, all kind of things going on, you know, crack just ran rampant through the ghetto and through the projects and uh, my mom her her she had me at a very very early age my mother had me when she was 14 years old mm -hmm. um, being that she had me so early in age I grew up more uh, under the tutelage of my grandparents my my grandmother in particular because my grandfather he was you know, he was out doing, you know, grandpa things that grandpa did in the early 80s. Okay. Um, so um, uh, their way of keeping me off the streets and away from either selling, using, or being a part of the street life was to keep me in church. Um, and so they would force me before I did anything. I had to make sure that I was in church. Um, and so uh, since I figured church was the focal point of my life, why not make the best of it? And so uh, as early as I remember, um, I would be sitting in the bishop's office and watching him study and, you know, uh, holding his water for him and trying to armor bearer at the, at the age of six and seven years old um, and just trying to, you know, just watching uh, how he related to the people. It just, it just, it made me so, uh, it intrigued me so much. And so I would go home and mimic him. You know, I had no brothers and sisters, and so I would go home and preach to my teddy bears and set my He-Mans up on the dresser and made them listen to the Word of God. He-Man. Um, <laughs> He-Man, yeah, yeah, they don't know about that. Millennials, that's a, you know, that's a different cartoon. They're going to bring them back. They're going to bring them back. Um, 
And so, you know, I would I would preach at an early age. And so um, I grew up meticulated all through ministry and all that kind of stuff. And so at the age, around the age of 16, early high school years, um, I preached my first sermon. Um, you know, I, I began to usher in church and, and work in all various forms of ministry, play music, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and I preached my first sermon uh, for a youth night when I was 16 years old. And it was kind of, you know, called out and, you know, confirmed early in age that uh, the Lord's hand was on me to minister the word of God. Um, and from then on, I was on fire. I mean, I began to get calls for youth revivals and I was traveling. And then I'm talking about at a very early age, 18, 19, every summer I had, uh, you know, uh, ministry set up in the Carolinas where I would go preach for weeks and weeks on end for all kinds of youth events and, and things like that. And so um, by the time I was 23, I was ordained. No, by the time I was 19, I was ordained a minister. And by the time I was 23, I was ordained a pastor. And by the time I was 24, I started my first ministry, Increasing Life Ministries in Bridgeport. And, and that's where we first met, sir. Increasing Life Church, Christian Church. I remember that, man. Wonderful ministry, man. Wonderful people. You had you did a stint in the army and after after getting out of the army. I, I suppose that yeah. that's you know was the uh, uh, the successor or you know your your success in military then led to ministry. But talk to me about ministry because you went on to gain state and national recognition. But how how did that how did that work for you? How did that you know, you were like this shining star headed to the moon, headed to the stars. And, you know, life happens. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, and so uh, ministry was, was it was almost like secondhand nature to me, you know. Um, so much so that I, 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 I could, I could work different various forms of ministry in my sleep. And so what began to happen and, and what people uh, who, who have been in ministry for some years will understand this even more is that when you become complacent in a thing, you tend to rely more upon your ability than God's ability. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, that, was, that was how I maneuvered through the early years of my ministry. Um, you know, I began to, to gain that notoriety, notoriety, but then came along the big head. And so, you know, it was like, okay, you know, I could preach and everyone knew I can preach or teach. And, and so it was like, you know, you know, when I stood up before people, a lot of times I didn't even feel like I had to pray because yeah. I just, you know, I knew I had this, you know, yeah. so I was anointed to do this, you know, uh, you know, you get so many people walking up to you and telling you how great you are and how wonderful you are and how God's anointing you. And then, oh, my God, it felt so wonderful to, to, to finally have people uh, notarize me or confirm me. And, you know, uh, especially when you grow up and you don't have that that affirmation from your parents, um, neither my mother or my father uh, gave me my father at all, but I, I didn't gain that type of recognition from my own family and so to hear that over and over again 
um, it, it it began to, to, to work on me. And so I began to operate out of, in ministry from a place of of just my knowledge. And, and I, I started putting aside God's ability, God's anointing, God's direction. And it began to cost me something terrible. Man, when I tell you, that thing began to just, it, it got ugly quick. Um, and, and it was, it was beneficial. It, as Paul says, it was necessary that I had been afflicted. And so I began to, you know, um, and, and we, we said we were going to shoot from the hip on this podcast here today. So I hope people, you know, don't, don't, don't dismiss me after the things that I say here, but I began to sleep. Can I, can I jump in there for a minute? Because I don't want them, not only do I not want them to dismiss you, but I want them to understand the glory that is behold in what you're what you're getting ready to share. Second Corinthians uh, chapter twelve, Paul talks about it. And he gets down to like his last few verses. I think it's eight, nine, and ten, and he 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 says that the Lord sent a thorn in his flesh, and uh, uh, that he asked the Lord to, to to take the thorn out of his flesh. But the Lord said to him, my grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Today, Pastor uh, Sebastian Corbin is going to boast in his weaknesses. And this is a scriptural acknowledgement. This is Paul, the greatest evangelist. Uh, to ever walk the face of the earth, one of the greatest apostles to walk the face of the earth besides Jesus himself. So I want you to hear this. I want you to tune in. But most of all, I want you to hear someone who's willing to tell the truth. A lot of people have a story, but Pastor uh, Corbin today is going to share the truth of his story so that we can all overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So tune in. Hear, Hear the man of God. Yeah. So, yeah, amen. Listen, it's funny that you bring that that scripture up because that scripture um as I would as we're going to get into um became the saving grace of my life. Amen. Um and it became the foundation of of my ministry. Uh, and so um you know, again, going back to to starting now in ministry at an early age um and again with without a lot of direction um, I had what I call too many voices at the time. And um, because I had so many voices, I don't believe that, you know, outside of maybe one or two people or, or three at the most, I had people who were really looking out for my very best interest. Um, and so um, being that I was able to maneuver well in ministry, um, being that I was able to get all of these uh, enge- engagements to preach everywhere. Along with that came the opportunity to be alone. Um, and being alone on a road in ministry for someone who is on fire for God is the most dangerous place uh, in the world for me um, um, and for those who would understand the level of, of pressure that is put upon you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're on the road, you're away mm-hmm. from your wife, you're away from your family. Mm-hmm. You're and, and might I say, I was married at an early age. So I got married when I was 21 years old, right sure. out of the military. Um, and so um, I was married at an early age. So here I am married with, with children and I'm on the road and I'm in full-time ministry by the age I'm 23 of 23 years old. And so I'm constantly away from my family, but I'm 23 years old. I'm 24 years old. I'm in the height of my hormonal stage. Yeah. (laughs) You know, all I can think about is Jesus and sex, Jesus and sex, Jesus and sex. And so um, it began to weigh on me. You know, I began to, you know, how we have, uh, you know, the, the, the welcoming ministry team yeah. that puts the flowers in the hotel rooms and yeah. set up the love baskets and all that stuff. Sure. Well, back then they didn't they didn't give you uh you know uh, Victoria's Secrets and, and and new colognes. They gave you fruit and 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 some cupcakes and all that kind of stuff. And so you got you know. They, they send, you know, almost, you know, they don't send Big Mama to deliver it to your hotel room. They send, you know, a, a fairly good-looking woman to your hotel room at 9, 10 o'clock at night talking about she delivering cupcakes and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, listen, it only takes one one invite in, yep. you know. It only takes, hey, hey, come on in, you know, welcome, come on in and, you know, thank you. Can you set that right there? And then one conversation leads to another, and then obviously one thing leads to another, and you find yourself down a rabbit trail of, of doing it. And the first time that you get you get away with it one time, now you feel like you can get away with it many times. Yeah. And so I began to uh, literally sleep around uh, on my on my wife's, uh, while I was preaching, and, and and this is not, you know, I hope people don't hear this as a braggadocious thing because it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is me, you know, I, I really want people to understand that, you know, even when I said I was coming back to ministry years later, um, I told God I will not preach for him unless I'm married with a wife that understands me and can protect me yeah. and will be there with me when I have to travel, when I, listen, my wife now is my armor bearer. She don't let yeah. no one carry me because that's how I, 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 I would love for her to, to relate to me. But back then I had, I had none of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now that I'm getting away with being able to have multiple women in multiple cities at multiple times, now I'm I, I'm full of pride. I'm allowing pride to come in because hey, people can t- people telling me I'm preaching. I got women on my side. I got this. I got that. I'm no longer attracted to my wife. I don't want nothing to do with her because you know I'm getting satisfied from every from everywhere else. So there's no way in the world that my own wife can satisfy me. Oh, you know what? Guess what? Now I'm not happy at home either. Mm-hmm. So no longer am I. Uh, not satisfied at home. I'm not happy at home. Mm. Now my kids are getting on my nerves, and they're not really getting on my nerves because they're being kids. They're getting on my nerves because I'd rather be in a hotel room than to be with my own children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so here I am, this early in ministry, and I'm I'm ex- I'm absorbing all of this, and it's all coming at me non 
stop all day, every day. Even when I get home, I had, you know, someone in, in my, my, my ministry who was, you know, my administrator, but she really wasn't my administrator because, you know, she, you know, she knew how to took care of me when I, when I didn't need administration work done, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I had all of this and I, I, I knew it was only a matter of time mm. and I knew my time was running out. I knew that I had to put an end to this because it wasn't going to turn out well for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to end well for me. There's no way in the world that you could, you know, as, as, as the millennials like to say, you can't call yourself a Christian and do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Now, I bear the title of a Christian, but there was no, there was no spirit at work in me outside of the spirits that we don't agree with lust and, and, and pride and the pride of life and all that kind of stuff. But there was given reference to the Holy spirit and even, you know, even the, you know, even the good that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. (laughs) And the things that I couldn't do, that's what I found myself doing. Yeah. I mean, I would preach that scripture, but people didn't realize I was preaching it from such a ugly place place of pain i was in such and i mean because it began to weigh on me like guilt and condemnation began to sink in like no other and um we shared this when we reconnected that i remember coming into your office and i was just in full tears mode because I knew my wife had found out. I knew she was planning on leaving me. I knew that, you know, uh, you know, my ministry was going to fail. I knew I had to do something. And you made me get on the knees. We both got on our knees in your office, and we began to pray. And I began to cry, and I began to just weep before God. And I knew I had to go home and do something about it. But it was too late. It was just too late. It was too late. The the injury to my wife's psyche, the injury to my family, and I knew, you know, even though we were trying to keep it in our home, that obviously it was going to branch out into ministry, in which it did. And so five years after starting Increasing Life Ministries, I had to dissolve the ministry um, and give people, you know, this, this, you know, I call it bull crap of, of, of an explanation because, you know, I was simply just telling them that, you know, I felt like, you know, at that time, you know, the church wasn't growing, which the church was growing leaps and bounds. Um, but I just felt like, you know, it wasn't growing enough. And so they had welcomed that as a good enough reason, those who really, you know, who didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, but those who knew what was going on behind the scenes understood that, you know, there was a lot going on with me that, that I just tried to keep hidden under the rug. And it cost me my first marriage. It cost me my relationship with my oldest son, who to this day still doesn't want anything to do with me. He doesn't, doesn't want to say anything to me, doesn't talk to me. Um, and at the time it had cost me my relationship with my oldest daughter, um, 
in which God has since repaired that relationship. But yeah, it, it cost me big time. And that was the beginning of a spiral of downward fall that would take place in my life like never before. And I don't know if you want me to go right back into that or if you have any questions on it. You know what? Um, we're, we're sort of past time, but it it's... This is so um, riveting as a testimony. And I hope that people are sitting home. And if you're involved in anything that you shouldn't be involved in, it doesn't have to be the exact same thing. Send it sin. If you're a pastor or you're a leader or if you are uh, anyone who uh, has a shred of integrity as it relates to um, your ministry, your call, your purpose, the reason that Jesus died on the cross, and, and that's where I am with the, the story. Um, the last part of Paul's message, he said, Therefore I am content with weaknesses with insults, with troubles, with persecution and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. Um, we cannot be strong without acknowledging our weaknesses, acknowledging our faults. And um, I thank you, Pastor uh, Sebastian, for your courage today. Literally, I, I really, really mean it because I know people are going to be blessed. We prayed before this podcast that this message would go around the world, not as a point of condemnation, but as a point of redemption and reconciliation. We serve the God of redemption and reconciliation. So yeah. we could get straight to right now where you are. And this is my Thanksgiving special. So if it goes a little bit longer, uh, so be it. I think you need to hear it. I think it will bless you. I, yeah. If it doesn't bless you now, it'll bless you later. Because this will be here as a legacy for the two of us, for you to listen to and say, hey, let me get my act together. If you're on the potter's wheel and spinning out of control, uh, you're just out of control to you. But God has a way of placing your feet back on solid ground through his redemptive act. The blood is efficacious, never loses its power. And Pastor uh, Corbin was able to apply the blood to his life, apply the grace to his life, ap apply the love and mercy of God to his life. And I want you to hear, um, he went to back, got, got back on ground, got back on solid ground. He uh, talks about uh, eating with the pigs, and we all know that analogy to the prodigal son. But he is finishing up at Raymond Bible College, currently pursuing a doctorate at Hope Bible College. He finished up at Raymond and is pursuing a doctorate at Hope Bible College. Uh, you know about his new wife, Jamaica. Uh, you, when you talk about restoration, it all makes sense now. His new ministry, Grace Life Ministries in Northbridge, Massachusetts. Just, just I kind of capsulized, but just kind of close out for me, Pastor. Anything you would want them to hear or know about yeah. you and, and this redemptive process. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the eating with the pig, I'm going to make it really quick here. I've, I found myself in a bad, bad, bad place after all of that. Um, I ended up meeting the woman um, who was, I mean, I'm telling you, when, when fire comes at you, fire comes at you. She was uh, 
totally against everything I had grown up to know a female to be. Um, she began to cheat on me. She began to uh, mentally ab abuse me as a as a as a male. Um, we ended up having a daughter together, but um, during that process, I ended up getting hurt, having multiple uh, surgeries, uh, big time surgeries in which I got addicted to pain pills, in which I began to be very, very suicidal, found myself on a bridge with my nine millimeter, uh, really, really was, I mean, at the point of suicide. Um, the only thing that saved me in that moment was God himself and my youngest daughter, uh, who's 10 now, calling me to tell me that she loved me while I was on the bridge. Wow. And, and the millimeter to my head and uh, uh, Jack Dan and taking my last sip and about to blow my brains out. Now, I want to repeat that real quick. You had the nine millimeter to your head. You had mm -hmm. the Jack Daniels in your hand as you were prepared to blow your brains out. Only reason I'm saying that because I heard some, some, uh, some little friction in our, in our microphone. I want to make sure the audience mm -hmm. heard it. Go ahead. Yep. So I was about to blow my brains out and uh, my phone ringed in that moment. God used my daughter to call me to remind me that she loved me. And to this day, that river bears my nine millimeter. Um, and it also is became the bridge that brought me from life to death, from unrighteousness to righteousness, from a, a life of condemnation to a life of grace. That bridge became the turning point in my life. That bridge to me represents who I was and now who I am. That bridge became everything to me. Um, and so from that bridge, I walked home and I locked myself away in an apartment in another city. All I did was just go to work every day and go home. And I would go home alone and I would study the grace of God for years, the grace, 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 redemption, grace, grace. And I would study it back and forth, up and down as much grace, as many grace books as I can get, I would just study it, study it, study it. And it became the focal point of my ministry, which is why it's called Grace Life Ministries today. Um, and so I don't just teach grace. I live it. I'm a walking testimony. This is why I'm so transparent in my testimony and don't mind telling people all that I've gone through um, because he's brought me through all of that, through what the little you heard today and much more. God has saved me by his grace. And yes, I, I've asked him as Paul asked many, many times, Lord, can you take this away from me? Lord, can can this not be a part of my life? It is such a, I felt like it was such a stain on who I am. And to this day, you know, the reality is I don't get invited to churches uh, that would have invited me had I stayed in ministry. I don't, I don't get the calls and the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that I had before. And I understand it because some folks can't take this level of honesty from a pulpit. They don't, you know, they just want me to preach Jesus and, and lose my voice. But the reality is I can't teach him. I can't preach him without people understanding exactly what he can do for someone. And this podcast is you and I coming together saying, you know what, there here lies a man who you can look at 
and who many men can look at, many men and be that women can look at and say, you know what, I'm dealing with stuff like that. I'm going through that at this moment. I'm trying to hide it. It's costing me my family. It's costing me relationship with my children. It's costing me drug addiction. It's costing me. I'm I'm ready to kill myself. I've been in. I, I've slept in. You know uh, those those uh, hospitals, those mental hospitals. I've mm-hmm. had to spend time in there. I've been through all of that. Why? So that God can get glory out of my life so that I can be that catalyst for someone else, for a whole nother generation to say, you know what, we don't have to go down that road. This is what it will cost you if you make those type of decisions. But if you stay the course, if you fight the good fight of faith, I know it's hard to tell her no. I know it's hard to be in that room alone and and you may want your wife, but she has to work and somebody has to take care of the kids. And I know you may want, you you may feel like stepping out is the best thing to do, but I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't make those type of choices. Don't make the choices that I've made because it will cost you. It will put you in a place where you feel like there is no help in sight. But, oh, if you hold on to God. And so God has brought me now, and he has given me a beautiful wife, a singing prophetic machine that she is, that can pray for me, that covers me, that always has her hand upon me. Uh, She understands me, even in my weaknesses to this day. Some of the residual effects of the things that I've gone through in my life, she bears that today. Um because she understands that yet I told her, I mean, I sat her down and I said, look, if you're going to marry me, there's some things you need to know, honey. And let me tell you, I'm going to tell you from, I'm going to tell you everything I can, everything I can remember, because you need to know that if you make a decision to walk down that aisle with me, this is who you're getting. And she said yes to this, this guy, this guy, she said yes. And so don't think that it's the end. Don't think that what you're going through is is the end of your ministry, end of your life, end of your cycle. It's just beginning. And now that I, I understand his grace even more, now that I understand that he became flesh and he dwelt among me, and I beheld his glory, man, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace Grace and and truth, brother. And I'm telling you, I understand it so much, and I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the blood. That's why Thanksgiving is important to me, because I was able to sit with my family, blended as we are. I mean, we blended. I'm blended with nothing but girls. You're talking about uh, God, you know, wanting to make sure that that I recognize of my flaws, boy, he sent me with a blended family of nothing but girls. And I'm telling you, I'm able to sit at the table now in peace. I don't have to worry about my phone ringing in front of my wife. I don't have to worry about looking over my shoulder. I don't have to worry about any of that because I'm at peace now. I'm at peace. I'm, I have a peace that has surpassed all my understanding. And it now guards my heart. It guards my mind. God has set 
fortresses of angels around my head, and I don't have to worry about anything but my, my, my. belong, and I'm grateful for it, man. My, my, my. What a powerful, powerful testimony, Sebastian. You you know you know I want to hear more, and maybe we're going to get back and do some other things, but today I hope you've heard this testimony. I, heard, I hope you have heard this power of, of grace that is available to you, that's been available to me. Doesn't matter whether we're a leader or not a leader. Doesn't matter who we are in the body of Christ. Doesn't even matter if you haven't gotten the body of Christ. Because you can get in the body of Christ by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. And then exercising the right to become the sons and daughters of God. Uh, I love you guys. I love you, uh, Pastor Sebastian, man. Thank you. Appreciate you today, man. Listen, you guys. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I pray that you've been influenced today by this testimony, either to, to fly straight or to get right with God. And I pray right now that you would, after hearing this testimony, that you would use it to go and influence the nations. I love you. Pastor Sebastian loves you. We appreciate you and we thank you for just giving us a little extra time today. Oh my God, I almost messed up. I almost messed up. I forgot to tell uh, how they can reach you, Pastor Corbin, before we get off the air today. How can they reach you if they need to reach you, if people want to reach you and touch bases with you? Oh man, uh, that'd be great. So uh, if they need to reach me, they can always reach me by phone. Uh, my phone number is 857-395-1625. And obviously on all social media sites, um, if you search my name, Sebastian Corbin, I think there's maybe one or two uh, <laughs> that look uh, up there. So you wouldn't have a problem reaching me on any social media site under Sebastian Corbin. Or you can contact me via email at Grace Life Ministries. Two one that's Grace Life Ministries two one at gmail.com. Oh, that sounds good. Again, guys, thank you for the extra time. We appreciate you. We love you. We honor you. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, God bless. Peace.